Hey everyone, this is Alex, and before we start this week's show, I just want to acknowledge that the audio quality does not match our typical standards for this podcast this week. We decided to try a new software to help us incorporate more video for Instagram and YouTube after Chris called Sean and I handsome last week, but unfortunately came at the expense of our ability to properly master the audio. We still feel this episode was important to put out, as it covers the fallout from Forbidden Door as well as the lead up to Blood and Guts this Wednesday in Detroit. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal weekly listener, please know that this issue will be fixed for next week, and we appreciate your understanding. Please enjoy the show. Gibson out. We are Wrestling Elitist. Welcome to our host, Forbidden Door Show. I am your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside Chris, the wizard, Scott Moore, and the great O'Shawn Nash. How are you doing, boys? That's great. Finally got off the roller coaster of Forbidden Door build. It was a good time. It was a good time. It was a great show. It was a successful show. I wasn't as successful in trying to mess you up on the intro, so sorry. Uh, it got in my head, but it does feel good to okay. be back on the ones and twos. Uh, before before we uh, jump into everything, though, let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to our show. Visit us uh, at Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And last but not least, please be sure to check out our website, WrestlingElitist.com, to get our latest match ratings and latest articles. Last week, we had one of our best weeks in website traffic history, I think. Our KPIs are flying high. Our morale is flying high. We had an excellent uh, article from Sean reviewing Dominion. Chris recently put one out uh, looking back at Vince McMahon and his power in WWE. And then my second Wrestlers You Should Know article recently came out as well, covering the workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. So please go check those out. Share them with a friend. Uh, but Sean, how about you let us know what the show format will be for today? This week, I'm sure we'll open with a little bit of Forbidden Door discussion. Can kind of give you our favorite match and moments, news items, cringeworthy items of the week. And what we're really looking forward to is our blood and guts date on Wednesday at LCA. Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert there. Let's <laughs> make the people it's, wait till the end for that. Oh, it's, it's too hot. Well, uh, let's jump into it. Before we go to match of the week, I just want to talk about Forbidden Door. We've, the last few weeks, there's been a lot of negativity coming from the wrestling elitists in terms of the build for it and just our excitement compared to the when the announcement was made to when the actual show was coming up for us. So, uh, Chris, I'll start with you. What was your kind of overall grade for the show? And then kind of following up on that, you know, there's a lot of talk already of there being a Forbidden Door 2 or this becoming a yearly event or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something you want to see happen here? Yeah, I'd love to see it happen. It's just it's a matter of timing and figuring out when is the best time to do it. Um, that it's conducive to both promotions. I thought the show was very good. I put it on this, I, like, better, not as good as Revolution in my mind, but much better than Double or Nothing. I kind of thought of it as the WWE equivalent would be like WrestleMania 14, where there wasn't like a five star match, but everything was very good and told well, and it was a solid show. And there wasn't anything stupid or like, oh, why are they doing that? There wasn't a moment where you had a groan or you felt like something was so uh, reaching. And for a promotion that has a bajillion injuries and yeah. everything going wrong and the show being so snake bit, I mean, like, Hiromu wasn't able to travel. <laughs> like, just like the And then, like, there was tweets about, like, what's going to happen today? Who's going to get injured? So it was very snake bit and jinxed, but 
it turned out very well because everyone's a good wrestler and they all have different styles. So I was happy with the show. I don't think it was the greatest show of all time, but I'd like to see Forbidden Door 2, depending on how well the uh, numbers go. Yeah. How are you, Sean? Fun show. Like I said, kind of felt like a roller coaster of emotions, starting off with the high of the announcement and then speculation. When we speculate and pontificate on, oh, it's going to be a bunch of mixed man matches like we get in the beginning of a New Japan pay per view or a dome show. And thankfully, we got a, a smattering of it. The things that kind of were the multi man uh, tag matches ended up being pretty pretty good. We're all fun and, fun and good. Um, injury battles and everything, they still just kind of. Made things work. Uh, love to see it. It was solid B plus. Good pay per view. Um, had a fun time, and uh, I would definitely love to uh, see a little more surprises and all. Everything that kind of happened was just good, good and fun. Hey Alex, do you guys think the show is hurt by the fact that it's not set up as a promotional battle per se? Like, yeah, they're competing against each other, but they're also combining teams. So it isn't like an invasion angle. It's not like WCW versus WWE or whatever, Raw versus SmackDown. Do you think that helps or hurts it? I think it helps it in the sense that it allows you to be able to be more creative with matchups instead of it just being kind of invasion, like, you know, SmackDown versus Raw at Survivor Series type of a feeling. But I also think that you then have to be more thoughtful in the way that you're doing things, and like it, it makes you be more creative. So if they're willing to tell a creative story, and also I think it, it you have to eventually have like a main title change in, this, in either scenario, really. And I think that this allows you to kind of hold off on that a little bit, because if it's, if it's versus versus, then it doesn't make sense for you to ever not do the New Japan or the IWGP Heavyweight Champion versus the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Like, if you're doing the versus, then that has to be the matchup in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So I think that this allows you to kind of get away from that doing that. I don't like double champions, really, although shout out to FTR. Uh, yeah. I, I would like to not, <laughs> to not be doing that with main titles. So I think in that case, when you can have a little bit of interpromotional stuff or having people team together and kind of act, not acting like they exist in silos, I think it helps. And we get sweet names like dudes with attitudes. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. I want them to bring back those old like Survivor Series names of like you know Rowdy's Rude Brood and Rowdy's Rowdies <laughs> and like all that fucking shit it was so good. I love that stuff. Can I just say, when I saw uh, Jeff Cobb doing his surfboard move, I was like, damn, him and Sting, I want to see those two as a tag team now. Oh, Jeff Cobb with, with surfer Sting hairstyle? Yes. That's, that's a great. That's great. <laughs> that would be, that would just be the best thing in the world. Um, <laughs> I thought that the show was overall very good. I thought um, it's, it exceeded my expectations. We'll get into it a little bit, probably talking about both our match of the week and my moment of the week. I thought when it came down to the surprise... It was the first time that Tony Khan hasn't completely oversold a surprise. And they did it perfectly to the point where because he wasn't overselling it, I actually thought I might not be who I wanted it to be. It was who I wanted it to be. But because he wasn't going so hard in the paint like how he usually does, like I, I felt good about, <laughs> I felt good about uh, what it was going to be there. So, yeah, let's jump right into it, though. Speaking of that surprise, I think we all had the same match of the week. Sean, why don't you, why don't you lead us off with it? Yeah, if the way we speculated on it and thought, oh, it's got to be Claudio, it's got to be Claudio, my ex, the the whole show would have just gone straight down the tube if if it wasn't him. After that, but thankfully, he came out the door, answered answered the call for Brian Danielson, and wrestled Zack Saber Jr. Fantastic match. It was 
just a technical bout, uh, catch wrestling, melee style striking. And like the whole time, I just felt like I was just enamored by the fact Claudio's there. He seems to be even on uh, taking, taking the heat, getting his ass beat still just like, holy shit, he's here. This is great to see. He's just seemed like a star that he should have been like grabbing the brass ring or whatever was said on that stone cold Steve Austin um, podcast with Vince, like back in the day, he's meant to be a star and he showed in this match. Uh, I love that little encounter when uh, Zack Sabre Jr. just kept doing the PKs and he just kept bringing them on, just taking them all, which is fantastic match. Love the style, love, can't wait to see him in, in um, the Blood and Guts match on Wednesday. What do you think, Chris? I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I think Zack Sabre Jr. has one of the most unique styles, and every wrestler is repetitive. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Like, there's a Flair match, there's a Sean match, there's a Brett match, there's a CM Punk match, in a sense, too. But Zack Sabre Jr. does feel like a world of his own, where he just clearly improvises with the hold he's putting you on. And he didn't do that with this match, and maybe that hurt it for some fans eyes i think he just really wanted to give to claudio and just give him his moment and it was more so claudio putting the match together which is cool and like good of zack saber jr he still got to get his shit in brother but he it was it was very much so more of a claudio match and uh he did have his moment and the guy is really over and he connects well i don't think it was just a surprise i think you have hardcore wrestling fans that want to see a great wrestler be able to get a shine and he did and he looked really great he sold i thought at one point he had a forearm injury because of the way he sold it immediately in the start of the match um i mean i was paranoid and looking for injuries the whole show because of what happened going into it but it worked he played me like a fiddle i thought he legitimately <laughs> did have a damn forearm issue and i was like oh god snake bit already first thing but he had a good match he had a very stiff those shots were fantastic at the end and uh he did great even though he's got some weird boots People make fun of me for my Doc Martens, but those were those were something. You guys, you guys have similar tastes. It's well uh, deserved. I, yeah, I, I loved I loved that match from the start. And you you mentioned before we got into match of the week, the that there was no moments that you were like, God, why did they do that or that like pissed you off? They scared the shit out of me when they started that match with oh yeah that running European uppercut, or straight to the uh, the neuralizer, and then the two point nine count. That was done perfectly because I thought that that was about to end the match. And as a, uh, a longtime uh, Zack Sabre Jr. fan, I was really bummed despite how much I love Claudio. Uh, so, Chris, did you have something there? No, but that was genius because they knew, like, I mean, I would hope they would know this. Tony Khan knew this. You can't – Zack Sabre Jr. is not going to be on TV. So now yeah. you're taking him away from the fans and from that moment. And there, he's not going to be on TV again for maybe next year. So it was a bad idea to like have that be the finish. I mean, I like the idea of making him strong. But you do that against someone who can't work a lick. And you give him Toriano. the warrior thing. <laughs> yeah. It got us to all pop off the couch. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually I thought that I thought that it was it right there. Yeah. I was, oh, yeah. I was kind of bummed, uh, which funny enough, I was actually watching just as an aside. I was watching a history of Eddie Kingston and Claudio from back in Chikara. And one of their matches starts the exact same way where Claudio does that exact same Eddie. two those same two moves gets a two point nine nine count. They both get up, and then Eddie hits his uh, spinning back fist and gets a 2.99 count. So it was a really just interesting to kind of see that as Claudio's come back uh, to, to the non-WWE world. 
being a similar uh, type of style there. But so that stood out to me, though, uh, that when he's walking outside and just has he's holding Zack Sabre Jr. with one arm, walks up the steps and throws him into the ring. Beast. I the strength that that takes and just the how impressive that is. Uh, I think you mentioned it yesterday, Chris. Like, I mean, he looks like a strong guy, but you don't realize exactly how much no. power he actually has. It's not bold. Uh, as it, it's it's incredible. Um, the, it's a unique characteristic, build, though, that makes him different and 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 yeah, mm-hmm. so unique. Uh, because yeah, he doesn't look like he's John Cena ripped or Batista big, but he's probably significantly stronger than both of them, and that's a good gimmick. And not that strong. Yeah. He did yeah, he, like. He did the um, Andre the Giant spot uh, uh, and uh, the Hogan Slam at the first yeah, over the top battle royal. royal, like yeah. just oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, everyone was worried. How is how is the Big Show going to get eliminated? You know, he's he's too big of a man, and somehow right, they did yeah. it. Yeah, just like bringing the strong man. Um, and then the last thing too was just like the build that they did to this swing, which you know the Cesaro swing was always a big thing in WWE. So seeing him do it in AEW, them kind of making it a big deal, and even you mentioned selling the arm. Him, uh, him doing that swing and like about five or six seconds in having to quit because of his arm being hurt. I thought that was a good touch. And then the build to the end too, just going with the, uh, the that pop-up European uppercut followed by the uh, discus lariat and then the Ricola. Uh, perfect way to end that match. And, and I think Zack Sabre Jr., one of the knocks against him has been in the past that he's not somebody who translates well to TV. And that's why like WWE never really gave him a full look. And you never really expected to see him in AEW. Um, but I think with the size that he's put on over the last few years and then just his style that he's had, um, he, he looked, I think that he 100% translated to television. Yeah, he translates to everyone except one old guy who has a bad taste. And like, <laughs> how many tweets did you see of people who are currently in a prominent spot on the wwe roster that were like this is awesome and like becky lynch Mm -hmm. tweeted stuff out i mean just people do like the guy and they want to see him do well and uh if he's got that much respect for his peers people are going to go out of their way to make him look good in the ring too and you're going to get quality matches so it's a win-win for everyone yeah yeah i mean i'm excited for at blood and guts seeing him get his spot like when he first comes in and he's clearing house that's oh yeah be, uh, it's that's gonna that's gonna be amazing. nuts doing <laughs> the sw- doing the swing in the middle of the two rings it's just <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> and um and and we'll just we'll transition to moment of the week that was actually my moment of the week was the fact that he debuted so i don't think we necessarily need to talk about that again on my end so I'll just oh. say that as the uh, little bit of a tran- transition there. It was um, cool. The oh, it was cool. The uh, little like jab he had with the um, the cameraman, who's like everyone always thought that was speculated that was like, Cesaro oh, God, waiting that was the uh, yeah waiting the debut. Just you know, they they see it all, they hear it all, and it's cool just to get that little little reference. Nice little touch. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, and then moving on to the rest of the moments of the week, there's actually a lot of stuff to to choose from. Um, Chris, we'll go with we'll go with you though. Uh, you actually went outside of the pay per view, so yeah. I mean, I thought it was so strong. Uh, Christian Cage's heel turn promo that he did with uh, Tony Schiavone that was a masterclass and going very very far, going very hard with uh, uh, poor Luke Perry reference. But beyond that, it just he had so much good shit in there, and he referenced other uh, AEW 
big names that were coming in, like CM Punk of, I'm going to put over new talent. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to suck up and take their spot, take their heat and make the most money. Yeah. And it was a brilliant uh, line. And uh, Christian has been held, not held back by the promotion, but he hasn't shown this side of his persona as a heel. And he's one of the greatest heels of all time. He really is. If people think he's not one of the best heels, they're I don't know what the fuck they're watching. Yeah, he may not be the best drawing heel of all time and put on five star matches as a heel, but just as a character, he's someone who could take over the throne of like a Bobby Heenan or a Paul Heyman and be like a heel manager or heel heater that can work with guys in his 60s and you want to see him get his comeuppance and he has the best shit eating grin in the world his clothing he looked like a bond villain in the alps that was awesome <laughs> just like his, his clothes like he just knows um, exactly how to play a heel uh no matter what era it is he, it, it, before it was ridiculous outfits uh as you know captain charisma or whatever but now it's like this uh uh, you know, something that I would wear. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you can find yourself in the character. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm interested to see too, where this, uh, like weird relationship he still has with Luchasaurus, where he's still going to just kind of be the Jurassic park yeah. director of thing and just have a pet dinosaur. Um, and he m- mentioned Marco stunt. So where I guess where, where's that go? Where's that lead? We finally hear of his name after he's been gone for like over a year. But just fantastic. When what a what a use of swears and just ripping the microphone away from Tony Schiavone and shit. That was the look great. that he had when he was hugging Luchasaurus was an all time manipulative evil mm-hmm. look. Yeah, that could, like it wasn't um, ha ha or he he or uh, I'm going to kick all your ass. It was just this. This is an evil person, and it was played to perfection. Uh, it reminded what? me of Brett's look that he had when he was hugging Owen and Davey when he reformed the Heart Foundation in '97. It had like that sneering, overwhelming sense of contempt. But I know that you know that you know what I'm doing. Like just that multifaceted <laughs> head fuck that was going on. It was just amazing. He's he's such a great performer. It was awesome to see him have a true standout moment. And he'll be able to play on the resentment that fans had when he was the first big, big surprise that everyone thought was going to be, you know, Brock Lesnar or Jesus Christ coming to the ring or something. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll be able to play off that for a couple months, too. The the, the look that he gave and then also just like the look that he had, like the that turtleneck look, everything about him just looked he looked like a complete asshole. And I love the <laughs> comment that he said about um you know, you'll you'll have my cr- my crumbs and you'll like it, or whatever. When he was talking about like nobody else deserves as much money that he'll get, it was just perfect. Um, yeah, happy to see him have that moment. I wish it was not on the show before Forbidden Door. It just feels like it was a little bit overshadowed. Um, yeah, but also, mm-hmm. you know, I I think um, either way, like he he's gonna shine. And I'm a little bit worried. I did hear Jungle Boy might actually be out with an injury currently. So hopefully that's sure, not last that's, too long. That makes would, sense. Par for the course. That would actually, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that would uh, that would just derail it a little bit. But um, excited yeah. to see where it heads and see where it goes with Luchasaurus. Uh, Sean, how about you? What was your moment of the week? Yeah, Christian's finally on his own again. But uh, my 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 moment was uh, Shibata coming out to the rescue on uh, yeah. Forbidden Door. 
as soon as that tranquil like ps2 beach volleyball loading screen music hit i'm like oh fuck yeah shabbat is back and uh will osprey that's a that's a, a cat i don't really want to see him in the ring with with that uh hidden blade move of his i don't want to i don't really want to have him go after the head but it's fantastic you kind of mentioned alex um he's the, the headmaster at the la dojo kind of makes sense for him to go for the iwgp us heavyweight title I'd, I'd love the match, but I also I'd love like future Forbidden Door matches with Kyle O'Reilly, Brian Danielson. We get some stuff like that with those Shibata rules matches that he was supposed to go with that first bout, bout that he had back. But uh, awesome to see. Love the little, obviously not the hugest uh, or biggest uh, Orange Cassidy fan, but it was cool to see that little interaction and just kind of leaning on him and giving him the, the glasses. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. There, there was a couple of people that got some really crazy reactions last night. And, you know, in Japan, when you're watching, they don't react in the same way even normally. But right now, they're still not allowed to, like, loudly cheer or yell at wrestling shows uh, because of COVID. So it's been it was really cool to see Shibata get that kind of a reaction from the U.S. crowd in that moment. I felt like you could see him soaking it up at times. You could see Okada doing that same thing. Um, absolutely. It was perfect. It was kind of, it was cool to see him interact with, uh, Orange Cassidy the way he did putting the glasses on. And, uh, I think one of the complaints we had about the show was the amount of times cameras just cut and didn't catch anything. And you saw him call Orange Cassidy to the ring and then they just cut it. And then you, then you hear Taz go up, actually, let's go back to that. (laughs) So that, that was a little bit, you know, messy, but overall, a, uh, a really cool moment and you know I had said before the show started that I had this thought of like what if Shibata is the newest Blackpool Combat Club member mm-hmm. kind of didn't think it was very likely um, but it was cool that he still made a showing and we still got to see who Claudio debut. Chris mm-hmm. do you have any more thoughts on it? Yeah and I think that's going to lead to a great uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. I would I would assume that's when they would do that is have Shibata come back for Wrestle Kingdom and he doesn't have to do a traditional match, even if it is Shibata rules. All you have to do is just have that moment of dread. If he hits the hidden blade and Will Ospreay decides to do that, I mean, that's a very evil move to do to someone who has legitimate head trauma history. He's so vulnerable, and that's going to get the crowd so sucked in. I mean, they shouldn't do it and actually let him connect, but that feeling is going to be um, amazing to watch and kind of hold mm-hmm. in. Keep the oh, room it's, up. It's- it's uh, I could liken it to remember when uh, when Seth did that to Edge, he had him ready for the um, curb stomp. The curb stomp, and yeah. you know he he said that he told John Cena he's like oh, I'm going to kill him anyways, and then goes <laughs> for it. like that. The tension that like built built up for even just that, and that wasn't even a match. That was just a segment. Um, yeah, was was pretty insane. So I think absolutely you could do that. You could make Will Osprey like. A next level heel if you actually do that i think you mm-hmm. can make him oh, something yeah. that is oh, yeah. just universally hated so it'll be interesting to see which way they go with that um let's move into our news of the week um weirdly a quiet week compared to some of the last few weeks we've had uh chris what did you have as kind of like the highlight news wise yeah i had to actually go check my notes because i was like well oh, it's been <laughs> everything's been so damn crazy that uh it is something kind of uh, weird now in 2022 to not have a nightmarish piece of news like a standout out. yeah right yeah uh but i think this is just pleasant news that there'll be a ring of honor uh pay-per-view july 22nd or 23rd i believe it's a saturday um it's going to be 
in Massachusetts. So Death Before Dishonor, I think it's what it's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be good. I mean, uh, FTR will defend the ROH belts. You'll get the prices Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Uh, Gresham will defend against, I don't know who he's kind of locked with right now. It's not really set in there stone. Was- I don't think there is anything, I, I, really. I mean, there was... Uh, Lee Moriarty had kind of stepped up and said that he wanted to face him. But I saw somebody else... He's I can't remember who too. it was. But there, there was another name that... Um, I can't remember who it was that people were saying should actually technically face... An old ROH guy? Or? I, yeah. Ooh. I can't remember Ooh. who it was. But, Rue should uh, be cool. Yeah, Rue should be cool. I, um, Dragon Lee, if you brought him in. Yeah. I don't know if, if he's going to yeah. decide. Oh, or, would... or even... Well, I guess you can't do Bandito again, but yeah, I would say Rouge or maybe even Brody King. Um, that could be Love really that. fucking cool, uh, just to contrast the styles. Uh, but that'll be a good show. I'm excited to see that, and uh, we'll probably watch that and review it or something for the website and podcast, too. But I'm excited for it. I want to see um, ROH get a landing spot. The problem, I think, for AEW with this is that you're devoting more time to another promotion that's not AEW and they probably need to just focus on AEW especially with all the injuries going on it's like rebuilding the brand and investing in the characters that are going to be there week after week and with uh some viewers not interested in new japan you know it's a problem to just have another uh fixation on another outside promotion but whatever. I mean, it's 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 their own company too, so it is what it is. But I, you know, it's just something to have in the back of our minds. Of like, ah, oh, there's another like company within the company here. Yeah, and you only have three hours of live national TV and right. a shit a shitload of megastars on your AEW program, so it's tough to split that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I saw something interesting on that. The wherever they're actually having the show at in Lowell. Uh, it's four times the average ROH attendance level is the capacity of that. Yeah, I, wow. so, I saw the arena. Be, it's quite nice. It looks good. It's like a 6,000-seater. It looks yeah. it's pretty big. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to sell that out. And, and I think, you know, when you look at them hopefully getting a t- TV show deal and things like that, it starts with them showing the viability of, you know, getting fans in the arena for something like that. Lowell, Massachusetts seems like an odd choice. Uh, to do this, but there must be a reason. I, I know. I think that's like an ROH town. I feel like they always yeah, would I, go to there, Massachusetts. Think, yeah, Massachusetts in general. Yeah, um, and so I and also I, I do know that Tony Khan's a data guy, so he must know that there's a lot of people are going to be getting the numbers are there. Go there but, yeah, he'd uh, have to be plugged into some yeah. trend with numbers that's telling him that's a wonderful spot to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, kind of speaking on kind of on that whole idea of buys and everything like that, Sean, you and I had the same uh, news of the week, and that was that Forbidden Door early number returns are over 100,000 buys. So, you know, there was some concern of what if they do less than 50 here? Is there really going to, yeah. you know, is the casual fan going to, you know, purchase this for $50? You know, we even have, you know, our, our buddy Bird, he texted us the day before and said he wasn't sure if he was going to buy it at the time. So, yeah. You know, there's even the people who are fans of New Japan weren't fully sure if they were going to. So uh, interested to see what that final number comes out to. Sean, do you have any kind of additional thoughts to that? It's just nice to see. Hopefully this sparks a huge U.S. interest in New Japan if this does anything. I think New Japan kind of really showed out in the, the pay-per-view. So hopefully this really helps them. It's it's positive to see that the like already early numbers are already over six digits. So cool. It's cool. 
yeah, maybe makes New Japan World more accessible in the United States. I mean, you, you have yeah. it on your uh, gives it a reason. stick, but it's not on Roku. Um, it'd be nice for it to have like a better viewability here and accessibility. Um, yeah, and then maybe they can stream or license some stuff with uh, AEW if they ever get a deal. That would be cool as well for them to be able to show uh, certain things on from New Japan's history as well. I don't know if they'll be able to do that or not, but who knows? That could be cool. Um, I thought this was going to be 50,000 to 75. So it's good to help establish what a baseline is, especially now with everyone injured. You can kind of go, okay, even if everything goes to shit, we can still assume that there's going to be 100,000 buys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's impressive. And how many years removed are we from, um, you know, when, when they first started? Like the WWE Network, like to be able to in 2022 do that kind of a buy rate, uh, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a dead medium. This is still viable. Pay per view still is those stupid boxing pay per views with a YouTube kid, uh, Logan Paul or whatever, oh. Jake, Jake Paul. Like Both those things sold a shitload, and then they're gonna do like a. Did you see they're gonna do an Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell boxing show? Oh, good. Oh point. no, damn. But, I mean, that's gonna be an abomination, but it's probably gonna sell a shitload too of course yeah naturally um good well uh well, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff so let's let's talk about the cringe the bad stuff Chris, <laughs> what do you got for me oh yeah um going back on last week we talked about what the possible outcomes are going to be in the investigation of vince mcmahon by the board of directors and those outside agencies so um one of the things that we fixated on because of our human resources background was WWE's compliance standards and what human resources practices they have, which is going to be investigated allegedly from that article in the Wall Street Journal. Well, uh, Johnny Laurinaitis was sent home on an indefinite leave, which makes sense given the allegations that came out. Uh, it's just it's so weird, though, how Bruce Pritchard is the now head of talent relations. Now, I like the the show with pod with a uh, pod rad with conrad <laughs> that God, just try not to have that, that, a malpropism for one fucking episode can i just do it for one episode without that should actually be the name of his like podcast company yeah i know pod rad pod rad pod rad thompson <laughs> get her done uh no so like i love what he does on the podcast with conrad and i think it's very entertaining and funny but for him to go back into that role is laughable when he talked about that was something he didn't want to do back in the day and he struggled with the role and the fact that the man was fired for pulling a fucking gun at someone at a fucking wwe event like yeah. it's just allegedly like he, allegedly. he brandished it or aimed it at someone but like you brought a fucking gun to work like how can you be in a human resources role as a key executive I, it, it boggles the mind. So, yeah, is there something wrong with their compliance standards and their uh, HR vetting? I would have to say so. Again, I love what he does with his dusty impressions. The inside look back in the day is great. I love that podcast when it first came on. And he's meant to tell stories with Conrad. That's his Wayne. But good Lord, for him to be the head of an HR function is insane. But it just shows like how weird that world is of like, you can get fired for something as egregious and as gross as that, and then you can become a prominent executive where he's very high up in the chain and the pecking order. It's just bizarre how that world works. 
Yeah, and it's just I feel like we we talk about it all the time. WWE or WWE, but wrestling in general is just there's all these old timers that want to pretend it's 1980. Everybody still thinks wrestling's real. Hulk Hogan's the biggest star in the world. That's not what wrestling is anymore and i just don't feel like bruce pritchard is in touch with what the modern fan wants or even what wwe is it doesn't really make sense to me to have him there but you know at the end of the day if that's uh if that's the way that they choose to go i guess uh, i won't be sad to not be watching it yeah um i don't watch wwe at all anymore i can't even can't even see i can say i care it's just sad that they're that's this is the reputation they have of just shit shit hiring tonight man oh could you imagine is that really gonna happen is that actually so i think yeah he's like coming Um, back he's you can only come back so many times john cena comes back once a year now um well, uh, my cringe of the week uh, was fans complaining about the the ending of Forbidden Door. So after the Tanahashi and Moxley match, a bunch of people were complaining about the beatdown and kind of basically kind of like almost like how it was like the go home where there's just a big fight uh, to get everyone to want to watch uh, Blood and Guts coming on Wednesday. I don't understand why people were upset about that. Like, they have to sell that show. They want to get high numbers. They want to get... Maybe there's people who are watching New Japan that watch Forbidden Door that don't typically watch AEW and they wanted to get people pumped for it. It wouldn't have made sense to just go off the air, I don't think, especially when one of the people in the main event was involved, is going to be involved in Blood and Guts. Yeah. It's just a stupid complaint where people just can never be happy. What are those... like? We, we talked when we first started the podcast and we had cringe of the week. It was what makes you like kind of ashamed or sad to be a wrestling fan. And it's moments like that where people just, they, they just can't be happy. That's, that's the type of stuff that really bothers me when I'm trying to be a fan. And so that was, that was instantly the second I saw that I was like, okay, there's my cringe. As uh, one of uh, the three of us attending the show, I would just like to say, Go fuck yourself, whoever this is. I, getting that got me more amped for the show, so fuck you. I had fun. I loved it. It was, it was the same ending as All Out. All Out yeah, did well, that with people, with people fighting at the end. That's fine. It's a drama. I think, well, yeah. and I think it's it stemmed mostly from the New Japan purists, but like Dominion ended sure. a brawl, too. So it doesn't yeah. really make New Japan had a moment where they set up an angle with Shibata and Will Ospreay and AEW set up an angle. It's not the end of the world. And at the end of the day, like this was more of an AEW pay-per-view than it was a New Japan pay-per-view, let's be honest. Yeah, and, and I think New I think New Japan gained more out of this than AEW, you know. So like Oh, mm-hmm. they did I think despite, so. Exactly. Despite AEW having, you know, kind of more people come out on top, it felt like throughout the show. I think New Japan had more stood to have to gain more and did gain more. So Definitely. Um Sean, what was your cringe of the week? Yeah, uh, Glenn Jacobs on Twitter just is a real pe- <laughs> real piece of shit. Uh, continues just kind of to bait and uh, kind of garner a reaction that must must do good pub for him uh, in his world and his end. But Jesus Christ, does he just put I feel like put his foot in his mouth too many times? And it's just please get off. Please stop tarnishing your reputation with your bigoted thoughts and uh, outdated ideals. But just can't can't stand it. Over it. I, 
I don't think anyone can top the response to him of uh, Hangman sending the top ten chair shots that he took to the head. That's that's, that's the best response anybody can give. Proofs in the pudding. Yeah. Yeah, he's clearly running for um, the House or a Senate or something or like governor or whatever the hell. He's not because you wouldn't be. He's uh, really showing he's off. Being, yeah, like you're, you're up, dog whistling up. and you're. Uh, except you're you're not being a libertarian anymore, and it's funny mm-hmm. that people would post like tweets of like, well, that's kind of different from what you said before. Like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> different how you said, you know. Interesting. And then people were, like, there was another tweet, Adam, that I thought was funny. It's like the WWE locker room must be so fucking stupid. Where for years people thought this guy was a genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh jeez, yeah, and such a good guy. Like everyone touted him, and then you always heard like he's sweet. Like CM Punk was like, "Oh, he's the sweetest guy in the world," and like <laughs> so nice. And Paige was like, "I liked you." What the fuck? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oof. It's it's sad, um, yeah. especially when state of the world. Dis- yeah, yeah, but that's a decision that most of the world is upset in some fashion by, and it's contentious. And like, just shut your yap for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's just a, a statement on what the world does now, and in, in terms of like the people that just want to be divisive, and that's what it seems like he he it seems like he shoots for divisive at this point whenever he's tweeting. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's let's move on. Let's go to uh, we talked about it at the top. We've been talking about it for months. The good stuff. What you got? What we're anticipating? What is it that you're looking forward to most in terms of? this Wednesday's show that we're going to Chris. Oh, I can't go anymore. Sorry. Um, well, we got a ticket. I saw your ticket. Anyway, I saw your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> moment of like, huh? <laughs> we were over you pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Damn. Two, no, 200 bucks. To, yeah. I'm excited to see our view. Like, uh, I, I was on that little app that was like, Oh, view your seat and where it's sitting from. And I think like we have a really good spot. So we'll be able to take a lot of pictures for um, for the website and on Insta our, uh, and our Instagram because I'm the social media maverick. What? <laughs> <laughs> but no, oh. it'll be a lot of fun just to get some really great views and to uh, see that up close. I've never been to a War Games match or a, a double cage before. I've never even been to a double ring match. So that'll yeah. be fun. And uh, Detroit has a good history of multi-ring matches. We did like world war three and wcw in the late 90s in uh, auburn hill so uh, shout out the one, yeah you're not gonna ones and so it'll be cool to be in that arena and i love that arena it's one of the most underrated sports arenas really you don't like it uh we off air but you know more was promised and less was delivered but oh well that's the illages yeah what do you <laughs> true that um, I'm looking forward to just the, the set design, just the seeing the two rings in there, like you were saying. We, Alex and uh, you and I, we went to I think a RAW or something when we when we saw that awful Ronda Rousey wasn't actually going to be there, and then um, we all saw Hell in a Cell, and now we're going to see War Games. It'll be cool. Just the things that we've seen in LCA are just pretty up there. We even seen uh, saw a uh, just regular cage match at uh, Joe Lewis back in the day. This we get a lot of good shit, so it'll be fun to see. That was um, with that lady who had like a watch or something on her wrist, and it was like caught. It was like there was like le- spotlights were hitting her watch or her cell phone, and it was shooting all out in the crowd. And there was a chant to like get her to like take her to like, oh, get off her cell yeah. phone or something. And the crowd went nuts when she finally like 
picked up on it. And I, it had to be embarrassing. She fucked up. Damn, that was funny. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's a good time with the boys yeah. in downtown downtown Detroit. Love the town. It'll always be uh, the home. You guys gonna go and play like roulette later, or go go to the no, tables? Gambling. Oh is like a no! Heavens no! I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Sell your soul and lose your money. Uh, we say that, but uh, if there's any gambling companies out there that are looking to sponsor our podcast, we love gambling. I we love gambling. We'll sell our soul my, to the devil yep. to plug it. Yeah, I would. You bet your bottom dollar that I'll sell my soul. Uh, well, that'll wrap us up for, uh, for this week. Once again, we ask that you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Visit us at wrestlingelitist.com for all your, our latest match reviews and articles. Please make sure you share the show with any friends and family that like wrestling. Rick Root, take us home. Hit the music!